The following message is from King's Church 1066, based in Hastings, Bexhill and the surrounding area. For more information, head to our website, kings1066.org. Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, it is great to be with you. Uh, I think Paul's gone a bit over the top there, bigging me up like that. I would say I'm an okay evangelist and a reasonable church leader. Um, but it's really good to be with you. As he said, I lead the team at Hope Church in Seven Oaks. Um, I'm here with my wife. I have three children and one wife, which is the right way round to have that. Um, now, I mean, who could handle three wives? I don't know how they worked that out in the Old Testament. But anyway, moving on. Now, I wonder, has anyone seen anything great on TV lately? Anything, you know, box sets, movies on Netflix, Amazon Prime. And that's not what you expect the preacher to say, is it, to start with. Don't worry, Paul, I'm going somewhere with this. Um, uh, but we love to share things, don't we, that we've seen, that we really want to share, or things that we enjoy. My wife and I, we loved a series on Amazon called This Is Us. Anyone seen This Is Us? That's a good series. Uh, we, we really loved that. We loved the storyline, how it was written. Um, we would tell our friends, you've got to watch this. This is so good. It's so well written, very emotional. The father's depicted in a really good light, which is not, doesn't happen very often these days. Not like Peppa Pig, by the way, who the, the father is an idiot. So it was banned in my house because I wanted to promote you know, a good father picture in my house. So, um, Or what about places that you've been to? Uh, we also love to travel. Recently, Gemma and I went away with, without children. We dearly missed them, but it was amazing. We went to Croatia uh, for five days, and it was just amazing. We hadn't been there before. When we got back, we were, oh, it was so beautiful. It was, you know, really calm sea. We went, she forced me to go kayaking, and I actually enjoyed it. Um, but it was just beautiful. And we got back to, to our friends, and we said, oh, it's so nice. You've got to go there. It's really good. Or what about... Another way, let's put it this way. I, I really like football. I'm sorry for those of you that don't like proper sport. Um, I, I, my, when my team are doing well, I, I really like to talk about them. Uh, believe it or not, I, I'm still young enough-ish to, to play football. I play once a week. And when my team have, have done well or they've won, I wear the shirt to football. And I, I seek out conversations, and I like to talk about them. Um, but that's not really happening at the moment because I'm ashamed of my team at the moment. My team, I support Everton FC. Um, all right, you don't, there's no booing. That's unnecessary. Anyone who booed, see me afterwards, all right? Um, I, I, I don't want to talk about them, and I'm ashamed, actually, of them right now. And I avoid the topic because I'm ashamed of them. And it's easy, isn't it, to share about things we love. You know... In fact, when we don't let our friends know about it, we, we think they're missing out. When we talk to our friends about the TV program, they came back to us after watching it, and guess what? They love to talk to us about it, and we love to talk to them about it. And church, we have a message. We have a message, a story to tell that is the greatest, most powerful story ever. And we must tell others around, around us about it. In fact, I would say we are indebted to those around us to tell them. Or, as the Apostle Paul would put it, we are obligated 
to people to share this powerful, life-changing gospel message. It is the power of God for salvation. And I just want to look at some Bible verses this morning that will help us and start by looking at Romans 1, 13 to 17. The words will appear on the screen, but I just encourage you to look in your uh, old-fashioned, you know, paper, leather-bound Bible. Now, the Apostle Paul was writing to the church in Rome, and this letter is all about the gospel, all about the gospel. Paul describes himself at the beginning of the letter as set apart for the gospel. This is what Paul will slave his whole life for, is this gospel. It's so great that Paul is willing to separate himself from everything, whether it be wealth, health, acclaim, friendship, safety, everything. Paul sets himself apart in order to be faithful to the calling that God has on his life. So let's look at Romans 1, 13 to 17. It says this, For I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that I have often intended to come to you, but thus far have been prevented, in order that I may reap some harvest among you as well as among the rest of the Gentiles. I'm under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. So I'm eager to preach the gospel to you also, who are, you who also are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. One of Paul's purposes for visiting Rome was in order that I may reap some harvest among you. He's hoping to have a harvest within the local church and outside the local church. He's coming to encourage and evangelise. Paul sees himself as obligated to Greeks and non-Greeks, or barbarians, as it says in the ESV, to the wise, to the foolish. So it doesn't matter of background or intellect. Paul is obligated, or you could use the word indebted. Paul, if Paul's indebted to the Romans despite never meeting them, how is that so? So if you're in debt to someone, if someone's lent you money, say, let's imagine Paul has given me £100. You ain't getting that back. Now, I, I owe him £100 until I pay it back to him. However, if someone's given me £100 to pass on to Paul, I am indebted to him until I've passed that on. And it's kind of in that second sense that Paul is obligated to everyone around him. God has shared the gospel with him and he's commissioned him to declare it to others. So Paul owes people the gospel. In it, it is, as he starts in verse 5, it is for his name's sake, declaring the powerful saviour, the king who demands honour. And Jesus is honoured when others recognise him as their Lord. And Paul also does it for others, for people's sake. And we as the church, as believers and followers of Jesus, have been given this commission to pass this news on. It's like when we've got good news to share, places to go, things to watch that we've really enjoyed or recommend. We must share this ultimate good news. We are indebted to those around us who don't know Jesus. 
This is not in a pressurized, legalistic way that, you know, every day you must share the gospel with someone new. Actually, this should be a joy and a privilege to do. And before we go about, you know, sharing how it's helpful, what ways we could share the gospel, a couple of things to think about. Really, what is the gospel? Like, if someone asked you to explain it, you're in a good conversation, you feel like it's going somewhere, and they said, I'm terribly sorry, but could you actually explain the gospel to me? Do you think you could do it? I mean, you all seem like a well-taught bunch, actually. Paul's doubtful of that. But, so I'm sure lots of you could. But if someone asked you, would you be able to? But simply put, the gospel explains the way of salvation through Jesus Christ that mankind has been separated from a holy God by sin. God is altogether holy and sinless and cannot be in the presence of sin, but he is also righteous and just. And sin cannot go unpunished. But instead of condemning us to hell and the death we deserved, he sent his son, the second person of the Trinity, fully God, fully man, to die on the cross, taking the punishment for all of mankind, to satisfy the wrath of God. And Jesus not only died on the cross, taking the punishment of sin, he rose from the grave three days later, gloriously defeating sin and death. Weren't they great songs that we sung this morning? Just declaring that truth. Then, from that moment, whoever puts their trust in Jesus and his finished work on the cross will not perish, but have eternal life. That's good news, by the way. And if you're here this morning, you might be here for the first time, or you're not sure why you're here, or you wouldn't necessarily call yourself a Christian. It's simple. You, you know, you don't have to sort your life out first. You don't have to attain God's favour There's nothing, in fact, you can do because Jesus has already done it. And he's done it for you. And it's as simple as choosing to believe what Jesus has done for you on the cross, asking for his forgiveness, thanking him for the cross, asking him to come into your life, fill you with the Holy Spirit, which will help and enable you to follow him all the days of your life. It's as simple as that. I did that 20 years ago. My life, my wife will tell you, was not sorted out. It was a mess. I was bordering on all sorts of addictions. I was often in trouble with people, police, and various other things. But you can come to him today. You can ask him right now to forgive you for that, that stuff in your life that separated you from God and thank him for the cross. It's as simple as that. Let me just think about that for a moment. Just say, thank you, Jesus, for the cross. Thank you for dying for me. And if you maybe pray for the first time, thanking Jesus and asking for forgiveness, I'm sure there are guys that would lovely, love to talk to you afterwards. Now, in reality, <clears throat> when speaking to people one-to-one, -one, I haven't always explained the gospel in, in clarity like that because things are a bit more nuanced than that, aren't they, when you're talking to people in conversation.
But it is, however, important to know what you believe. It gives you the foundation to have a conversation about Jesus and what he's done. And it is difficult. And I'm not going to say sharing the gospel or what Jesus has done in your life is easy, because it isn't. And we, I think the other thing we need to realise is it's never going to feel comfortable. We, wanna, we like to be in our comfort zone, but it's never going to be comfortable. I, in fact, I don't think it's supposed to be. But we need to just get used to that, living in the discomfort. When I first became a Christian 20 years ago, I was terrified if anyone asked me about my faith. But what has helped me the most? This is my top tip on evangelism and witnessing to others. Before we think about practical ways of how we can do this, these two things that have helped me the most. Knowing Christ. Knowing him and being filled with the Holy Spirit. That is what has helped me the most. You know when you know him. You know when you really know someone. But knowing him, knowing his power, his love, what he's achieved on the cross for you, when you realise the state you were in. You know you were in a dead state before you came to Christ. Ephesians 2.1 says you were dead in your trespasses and sins. Verse 4, God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. And when we let that truth get deep into our hearts, when we truly understand that truth and let it affect your very being, you'll want to go and tell people about this good news. Being filled with the Spirit is an ongoing, everyday experience. Not just a one-off. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. When you realise this, when we grasp the width, the length, the depth of his great love, we are filled with inexpressible joy. And we can't help but tell others about it. I am reasonably enthusiastic when Everton win the occasional game, which doesn't happen very often. And I'm enthusiastic about that, but oh, we should let the joy of our salvation and what Jesus has done just grab our hearts and let it affect how we live. And, we, and when that happens, we can't help but tell. We're not ashamed anymore. We're not Everton fans. We're not ashamed of this gospel but do you know what? Even though this, this message that we have is offensive, we are telling people that they are dead, that they are not basically a good person, that they need God, and without him they are going to hell. That is the reality. This is pretty offensive. We are telling people they are so wicked that only the death of the Son of God, fully man, fully God, could save us. This is offensive to modern culture of self-expression or the popular belief of the innate goodness of humanity. The gospel tells us that trying to be good or spiritual isn't enough, that no good person will be saved, but only those who come to God through Jesus. I, I talk to people who want to find God in their own way. 
They want to do things their own way. But the gospel tells us that our salvation was accomplished by Jesus suffering and serving, not conquering and destroying. And following him means we have to suffer and serve with him. This is offensive to people who want Christianity or salvation to be an easy life. People want safety and comfort. This is why the prosperity gospel is so offensive. However, despite the offence, what does Paul say in Romans, verse 16? I am not ashamed of the gospel. He is not ashamed. He's not like me and Everton at the moment. I can't get over them at the moment. He is not ashamed because it is the power of God. The gospel is the power of God. It's not a philosophy or a mere concept. In the gospel, words and power come together. That is why it's helpful to know it. That's why it's helpful to understand it so we can explain it. It's going to be a I think there's going to be a couple of videos sent out this week which will help us think about how to explain the gospel. And also a tool called the three circles, which is a visual way on how to explain the gospel to people on the back of a napkin. I hope you find those helpful. But the gospel doesn't bring power or has power. It actually is power. The gospel message is actually the power of God in verbal and cognitive form. It transforms things. It changes things. It lifts people up. It gives hope to the hopeless. Life to what was dead. That is the gospel. And when outlined and explained and reflected upon, the power is released. Do you know, there, there are many ways we can affect the culture around us by our actions and our deeds. We can show people that we're different. By our deeds, people can see the grace of God in our life. And it's important about how we live. We are called to bless and serve those around us. However, we must use words too. Romans 10, 13 to 15 says this. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him who they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they're sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. So it's helpful to actually open our mouths. To speak about Jesus. It is, I find... in the conversation actually has more purpose and power when we actually use the name of Jesus. And we sung that as well, didn't we? There is power in the name of Jesus. And when we use that, when we invoke the name of Jesus, there is power in it. It, it, It's easy to speak about faith or God, but actually talking about Jesus and the cross and the resurrection brings clarity. What is also really helpful is using our own story, real-life events, things that have happened to you, prayers answered, times you've seen God move in your life. People's lives, you can share other people's stories, people's lives you've seen radically changed because of the power of the gospel in their life. But but please note that when we're sharing, our testimony 
is it's really helpful if it's gospel-centered. This means you must major on belief, not behavior or benefits. So, uh, although there'll be many things in your life that will have improved since coming to Christ, but we make sure our testimony helps reveal the actual gospel of belief and forgiveness, not the consequences of the gospel, beneficial changes in your life. Oh, I, I mean, <clears throat> I, I'm sure since coming to Christ, there has been major changes in your life. There certainly has in mine. But if we, don't, if we major on that, it kind of re- reinforces the prevailing wrong belief that Christianity is a list of things to do rather than a gift to receive. Make sure our testimonies are gritty and honest, not super spiritual, sleazy, cheesy, holier than thou. We, it's helpful to remember as well, I know you guys are thinking about mission, aren't you, at the moment, but we mustn't expect others outside of Christ to live in a way that lines up with biblical values. We, as Christians, we can be very easily offended sometimes. Even maybe take sides politically. Even if it supports what the Bible says, we can end up being stuck in our, our views and unable to reach the very people that are in front of us that Jesus is trying to reach. Let's not be moralistic or judgmental or caught up in being anti-woke. Let's ask God to give us compassion for those around us. Compassion for others to a lost and dying world. Jesus wept over Jerusalem in Luke 19. In Matthew 9, he saw the harassed crowd and had compassion on them, healing every sickness and disease. In Matthew 14, he had compassion on the crowds. Mark 1, a leper came to him imploring and kneeling and said to him, if you will, make me clean. Moved with pity, Jesus stretched out his hand, touched him and said, I will be clean. He had compassion on those around him. All around us are harassed, hungry and sick people. And one of Jesus' main motivation for mission was compassion for those around him, those he spent time with every day. So let's be more like Jesus. Let's have compassion for those around us. And when we see people, let's not look at, look at people and not their problems. Don't really see them, walk with them, help them. Remember, you are a representative, an ambassador for Christ when you're talking to your neighbours, when you're trying to help people, we are to bless those around us. But, do you know what? Being compassionate is dangerous. When we open our eyes to those around us, be prepared to lose your life and live with a broken heart. C.S. Lewis said this, To love at all is to be vulnerable. To love anything and your heart will be wrung and possibly broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give it to no one, not even an animal. Wrap it carefully around with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. 
It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. To love is to be vulnerable. And that last bit is just the opposite of Jesus' heart for mission. And we should be on mission because Jesus is on mission. And we have the joy, you know he doesn't need us, but we have the joy of him saying, come and join me on my world mission. He was sent, and that's the whole meaning of mission. He was sent for mission. The church exists for mission and compassion for others, for a lost and dying world. Now, there is no one right way to share the gospel. But what I, I would say, what has helped me over the years, is praying about it. Praying about friends or people I want to share with. Praying for help when conversations go towards matters of faith. Prayer for the right things to say. I have so often stuffed up. That's why I would describe myself as an average evangelist. I, I want to talk about it. I don't have to make so many mistakes. Years ago, when I had been a Christian for a few years, I was still sort of, I had sort of a foot in both worlds still, and I, I grew up in a big group of mates, 20 or so plus. Um, I remember being out with them. I'd become a Christian. I was married. I was going to church. I'd stop playing football on Sundays despite it being a waste of talent. Um, I, I was out with these group of friends one evening in uh, Maidstone Town Centre. It all happens in Maidstone Town Centre. Um, and all of a sudden, they kind of all turned on me like this pack of wolves and just started asking me and bombarding me with questions. And do you know what? I didn't handle it very well. Didn't do it brilliantly. But do you know what? It led to a conversation later on that evening as we were sitting around a table at an Indian restaurant. I, I had a really good conversation with the guy next to me. And it was good training for later. Later on, I, uh, several years later, I, I'm sitting in a, a cabin on a building site. I was a, a lead roofer by trade for 20 plus years. Um, and I'm sitting in this cabin talking to a bunch of blokes and all, it faith and Jesus comes up and Christianity and they all turn on me again but I was able to handle that much better I still got some things wrong but the key is don't panic God is with you we believe God is with us when we open our mouths it's so often about breaking down misconceptions of Christianity brick by brick we often worry about seeing people brought right through from their first conversation to crossing the line of faith. Sometimes it's just about moving people further along the line. And often we just need to move people along in their journey towards the end goal of crossing the line of faith. That is what Alpha is great for. I've been involved in Alpha for many years. We've often seen people who are seeking or close to faith and help them cross that line. We've seen people come from nowhere to salvation. Sometimes we just break down, <clears throat> deconstruct people's walls that they've put up. People often come with the whole thing of, I, people will say, I believe in science. And we say, oh, great, so do we. We believe in science. 
We also believe in a resurrected king who's reigning forever and ever. And sometimes it's just about not smashing down the wall that people have put up. It's taking it down brick by brick. And Alpha is starting, as we saw on the 2nd of Feb. And do you know what? As you're starting to talk to people, you could just mention Alpha and invite them along. And you come with them. That's the idea, isn't it? And do you know what? Paul Mann is leading Alpha this time around, isn't he? That's what you told me last time I saw you. So it's going to be great because Paul is leading it. People will be being saved as they come through the door. They'll be on their knees saying, what must I do to be saved? Because Paul Mann is leading it. It's going to be great. But if you want to talk to people, kind of a tip as well, I would say, ask what they believe and listen. There's a ratio that I learned a few years ago. It's a two-to-one ratio. Two ears, one mouth. Listen to that ratio and listen to what people believe. Talk to people about your faith journey. Tell them stories of what's happened in your Christian life. If you say, well, I don't really have any stories, nothing exciting to tell, I don't believe you. Because that means you've never prayed, you've never heard from God, and you've never had a prayer answered. If you're still struggling, just, then just be a friend. Listen to what people say. Hear their problems and offer to pray for them. It's as simple as that. And for me, there's nothing more exciting than having a prayer answered for someone who hasn't yet crossed the line of faith. Because there's so much joy in mission. John, Jesus was praying in John 17 for the joy that was set before them, for his disciples. Their joy would be fulfilled or complete. And he's praying that as he's sending them into the world. We're created for mission. You know, as children, we, we want to go on mission. We want to be firemen, astronauts, explorers. Children don't often say, when I grow up, I want to work in an office. I want to be an accountant. Apologies to all accountants here this morning. We want to save the world. We want to be superheroes. Because we want to get involved in a cause that is higher than our own. And when we do that, when we get involved in a, a cause bigger than our own personal needs, we find purpose and meaning. That's why people on mission are joyful. Because they, if there's no higher cause than my own personal happiness, it destroys mission. If we just live for ourselves, we don't make a difference. How can we? We don't have anything to die for. My parents often don't understand our lives. They're not... Christians, they're not born again. They don't understand that we're on mission. We've got family, don't understand why we moved to Suffolk for six years and then God called us back to Seven Oaks. They don't understand it. They don't understand why on a cold day we would st stand on the high street giving out tracts or inviting people to services or trying to talk to them. Why would you do that? Why would we try and teach our kids this stuff? Indoctrination starts at breakfast time in our house. Other people don't understand it because they don't have anything worth dying for. And if your joy is focused on anything other than Jesus, it is temporary and it will disappoint. If it's your husband, your wife, your job, your child, your house, everything, 
You see, the irony is, if we exaggerate our significance, we lose our significance. Jesus said we're not of this world. He doesn't mean we're here to separate us from others, but he wants us to be in the world, not of the world. And if you're with people who are sinning and it affects you, then I suggest you just remove yourself from that circle of people. That's what I had to do for a little while. Be amongst people. Be purposeful. If you have, don't have many Christian, if you only have Christian friends in your life and not enough of the other type, those that don't know him, be praying about that. And anyone who really meets Jesus is completely changed. If you think your faith is a private matter, you haven't met him. He never pulls us in to bless us without sending us out. We see that in Isaiah 6. He, Isaiah has this amazing encounter. The angels come and touch his lips. He's healed. He's set free. Immediately saved and forgiven. God says, I've got a job for someone. Isaiah doesn't say, Oh, I think about that. No, he says, send me, here I am. And God's saying, I'm going to send you to a people that will never listen. Isaiah says, send me, I'll go, because he's met with God. He's encountered him. And the more time I spend with God, more time in his presence, I want to tell people about him. If I encounter God in my prayer time, I used to pray on the way to work in my van, Lord, let me speak for you today. Give me opportunities. Let's remember the words of Paul at the beginning. We are obligated to share this message that has been given to us. We should not be ashamed, for it is the power of God for salvation for everyone. The harvest is plentiful. It's plentiful. And let's pray that God will give us hearts to share and a boldness to do it. Why don't we stand and pray? Jesus, we thank you for the cross of our salvation. We thank you for the gospel, which is the power of salvation. Lord God, will you give us eyes and ears to see and hear all that you are doing but also those that are around us every day. Lord, I pray for compassionate hearts in us, O oh God. And we pray, Lord Jesus, as we go into our, our week this week, give us boldness, give us clarity. And Lord, I pray for a harvest to come, Lord Jesus, uh, in King's Church in Hastings and Bexhill. Oh God, we pray, give us, help us be a people of boldness going out to share this good news. Help us, Lord, not be ashamed of this powerful, powerful message. In Jesus' name, amen.